Welcome to the West Wind Unitarian Universalist podcast. Join us in creating compassionate community. So, my reflection today is winter celebration so bright I gotta wear shades. If I had a pair of shades, I'd have them on right now. I was like a, but I don't. So. Winter solstice this year is December 21st. Um, it's the longest night of the year. I find it interesting that in doing this study to figure out the reason we have all these different light festivals, the first thing is if you go to the web and you type in light festival celebration, there are a wide variety of light festivals around the world. Not all of them correlate to this specific time of year. Um, Diwali is one that really stands out to me. It is a Hindu festival that happens kind of in early October, and it is uh, very similar to, they, they light their houses up and they burn um, oils and little lamps and all of this to overcome the darkness and bring back the light. Um, but it is not in reference to the solstice, and so I didn't go that direction with this. Today's uh, reflection is directly about solstice um, winter solstice style festivities and the reasons for it. I bring that up because if you go way back to the beginning, the winter solstice was just the time of year in which people figured out that the sun <laughs> was finally going to come back. Right? And I didn't really think very much about it until last night I was sitting in my backyard in the dark, which I like to do, enjoying the stars and the moon, which wasn't very much so it's a pretty dark backyard, and I have a very little mini uh, pin. Uh, it looks kind of like a Doberman Pinscher, but it's about this big. And he's really black, and he's hard to see outside in the dark. And I have to admit, I forgot whether or not he was out there with me or he was inside, and he is not a big fan of me, and so just calling his name doesn't reveal his existence. <laughs> and I started to think about it. I was like, you know, we're really synthesized to the dark by lights, right? We have access to headlights on our cars, and we have lights on our front door porches, and the inside of our homes are really well lit. Look at this room, it's full of lights, there's light everywhere, we got ceiling panels for light, we got windows for light, and it's really difficult to talk about the encroaching darkness. And we had the beautiful sunrise we had today, and that clear weather, and this great sun that rose up on the horizon. Thinking about darkness, it all seems a little odd, but it is the darkest time of the year for the Northern Hemisphere. And that dark time of the year was very car carefully monitored by our ancestors. And I don't just mean like my ancestors or your ancestors, I mean like way back in antiquity ancestors. They started to figure out pretty quickly that the sun was only five, five fists off the horizon at noon, which meant that it was really low in the sky in December. And in June, it was like 20 fists off, okay? That's how much the tilt of the earth doesn't change, but changes in relationship to the sun as it spins around the sun. So, I don't have a big desire to catch a tire on fire and roll it down a hill on a winter solstice to bring back the sun. I'm pretty certain it's gonna come back. Um, I'm not really worried about whether or not my Yule log is burning to bring back the sun. I, I don't feel a need to sing songs in memory of the sun before it comes, and then, those very, very early forms of uh, light worship um, eventually translated into other forms of light worship and festivities were co-opted by different religions as time progressed. 
Um, and I don't really participate in a lot of those either. But I do really like lights. Al's right, the light festival in Chickasha is gorgeous. I go with my family every once in a while, it's lovely. I like to drive around and put on those little glasses with the, with the prisms in them so you can see like Santa Claus at every light or little strawberries or whatever it is, I don't know, it's fun. However, the dark doesn't scare me. I'm not worried about the sun coming back. You might ask why? The answer is science. <laughs> science has shown us the, re the way that all this works, right? It's not because the earth is the farthest away from the sun that it becomes winter. It's just the tilt on the axis tilts us away just enough that we're not getting direct overhead light. It kind of bounces off a little bit. Makes it cooler. Now, very, very early humanity that came out of the fertile crescent of the north of Africa didn't really have that kind of issue with the sun. The ancient Egyptians did participate in a ritual in which they recognized that Ra was coming back in ascension during the winter solstice, but it wasn't because they were worried about snow or starving. There was an obvious change of the angle of the sun in the sky, but it wasn't like a need for comfort to huddle in the darkness with our friends, right? There was a desert that lived on the Nile. You know, that's the way it worked. As those people moved up out of that space and moved further and further north, it became very important. It got really freaking cold. It became really difficult to grow plants all year round. You had to know the seasons and you had to know them well or you were not going to get your harvest in in time and you were not going to get your harvest out in time to grow the next year. People are superstitious. But we recognize patterns. And if the only light in your world that you do not actively have to rub two sticks together to create is the sun and the stars and the moon, you are paying really close attention to where that is. And if your fear is like everything else has its beginning and ending, then you watch the cycles of life, you watch the cycles of people, you watch the cycles of nature, and there is a fear that there is a beginning and ending to the sun. And so, on that longest night of the year, a wide variety of different communities found ways to pray to, worship, encourage that rise. So, what is with the light versus darkness, the desire for light? I learned in seminary that um, you have to be really careful about talking about light as good and darkness is bad. Mostly because there are a lot of people out there in the world who like to think that light yeah. is good and darkness is bad. And it translates across the board when you're in this kind of community, any kind of community. I really like the children's story today. Night was not a negative thing, right? Night was the mother of all and embraced the sun. And just like that, we have that dark period, right? We huddle in our homes. This is the time we bring in the outside greenery into our house to kind of make all the dust and cobwebs seem a little less dusty and cobwebby, right? We light candles and we have the warm hearth. And I don't know about your family, but my family always had like a, a, a kettle on the, not a kettle, but a pot on the stove that had cinnamon sticks and apple cider in it, like almost nonstop through the winter. That was my mom's thing. We didn't do a lot of hot chocolate, but a lot of hot cinnamon, cinnamon cider. All these comfort foods, right, to warm us. The idea that light is warmth. And so the darkness is where the genesis for creation and development happens. But darkness is also the place where the genesis of fear can happen. 
And so when you're in a community and you're isolated in the snow and you are miles away from your nearest neighbor and the wind is howling and the shutters are shaking and you're just worried that this darkness will last forever, that candle on the mantle, the yule log in the fire, the menorah, the lit Christmas tree, the uh, active pagan worship of rolling a giant burning tire down a hill are all pushes towards finding that warmth and finding that community that generates survival in that space. It is very, well, I would hate, that's not fair. It is much simpler to survive around the equator in which food and resources are more plentiful. There's many dangers there as well. But there's not as much of a need to be interdependent in that community in the same way as there is in the north. When you get into those cold stretches and those cold reaches. A lot of socialism, I think, comes out of the north specifically because of the desire to share food and resources in that space with the knowledge that you just can't let Olaf freeze to death <laughs> because next year Olaf's the only guy with the plow and we really <laughs> want to be able to get everything done the way we're supposed to. Rabbi Arthur O. Waskow wrote in Seasons of Joy, and I really loved this because I was worried. I am reluctant to talk about a wide variety of religions that I don't practice because I don't want to co-opt anyone's spirituality, right? And I was worried that in talking about festivals of light, that Hanukkah, specifically because of the way that the tradition was formed out of the concept that after the Greeks sacked the temple, um, they needed oil to burn the altar so they could re-sanctify that space. And the oil needed to burn for a particular length of time, and they only had a very small amount of oil. So the very small amount of oil that they had was only supposed to last a day, and it lasted eight days until they could get the next shipment of oil in. It's a very simple story. It's got a, there's a lot more to it. Oh, I don't know enough about the Maccabees to get into the Maccabees. I don't know enough about the Greeks to get into the Greeks. But that is the concept of Hanukkah. So Rabbi Wasik, Waskow wrote, if we see Hanukkah, which this year starts on December 22nd and runs through January 1st, as intentionally, not accidentally, placed at the moment of the darkest moon, then one aspect of the candle seems to be an assertion of our hope for renewed light. He goes on to talk in that article, and I will... Uh, Make links available for the different things that I comment about today. If you get the newsletter, you can click the links and really get into it. I really thought that his comment on Hanukkah was really lovely. But he goes into talking about um, very much of the Hebrew calendar is based on lunar, on the lunar cycle. However, there are very, two very important um, holidays within the Jewish calendar that are based specifically on the solar cycle. Passover is one, oh, and, I, and the other one slips my mind. Hanukkah is based on the lunar cycle and the way that it comes is in the lunar cycle. However, the way that these things key up and line up end up making the darkest night on the darkest night is the, generally right around where Hanukkah starts or moves through. So the darkest night this year is the 21st, and Hanukkah starts on the 20, or I'm so sorry. Uh, Hanukkah starts on the 22nd, so it starts on the day after the darkest night. It doesn't always correlate that way. But the rabbi's comment is this idea that Initially, it was a relatively unimportant holiday, Hanukkah. But the need for the Jewish people within this space of Greece and Rome, who celebrated Saturnalia and celebrated the, the, the longest uh, winter solstice and the coming back of the light, 
to have their own light festival helped to push Hanukkah into a greater action. This is, this is the rabbi words, rabbi's words, not mine. But it was an interesting concept, the idea that there's a certain amount of social change that happens in the process of that. He even pointed out that it wasn't until the 17th century that potatoes came to Europe and the latke potato pancake is a very integral part of the Hanukkah celebration because of its golden color and the shape of the sun. And so even traditions that we think of as very like rote in stone and, and, and going all the way back to antiquity have changed and developed over time. Now Christianity co-opted far more uh, outside influence than the Jewish festival of Hanukkah ever did. They took the uh, greenery from Yule that was pulled inside to use as the rebirth of Christ, and they changed the birthday of Jesus from sometime in April to December specifically to get more pagans to show up to church and quit <laughs> celebrating all that tree worship. A story that I thought was really interesting is that the pagan tradition in uh, Scandinavia and in the Celtic Isles was the war between the king of Holly and the king of Oak. And every six months they changed places. And so solstice, winter solstice, was the victory of the oak over the holly. That was the time that the light started to come back and the oak tree started to rejuvenate and bring us into spring. And then holly overthrows the oak sometime in the summer and comes back and brings forth this oak, loses its leaves. And this cycle was repeated year after year over and over and over again. Part of the acknowledgement of that cycle was the Yule log. Now we made little Yule logs uh, on Craft Sunday the other day and it was a little tiny piece of asp wood with a candle stuck in it. A real Yule log is a tree that was cut down in the yard of the manor of the biggest freaking fireplace in the area. And they cut all the branches off the tree and they used those for kindling or they decorated their hearths and stairways and ceilings with them. And then they bring in this giant tree trunk and they light the end of it in the fireplace. And over the course of four days, just keep scooping more tree into the fireplace to keep the Yule log burning because those 12 days are the 12 days of that Yule log's burning, encouraging the sun to come back stronger and stronger each day. If we don't burn that giant staff of wood, we are not going to have the returned vigor of the sun. My uh, coworker pointed out this week that the 12 days of Christmas song is specifically co-opted to overcast the Yule 12 days, right? So that chucking the wood in the fire is another concept. And not universally, but a very, very many people celebrate in this season with seasons of gifts. And initially, a lot of those gifts, like, for instance, fruitcake, were designed out of dried fruits that were sent from the Mediterranean and uh, from Europe and sent up into the northern climates. And that dried fruit became gifts and presents because they didn't have access to fruit and vegetables in those really cold times. All these different cultures, all these different pagan and Hebrew and Christian and Hindu and Chinese and just keep going. The idea is to bring together the warmth of the hearth, the family and the community to share what little resources we have so that we can have large resources for everyone. Um, the way that we celebrate continues to progress and change, but the concept is still bringing the community together in a recognition that the light will bring us into the warmth and the warmth will bring us into compassionate interaction. One of the neatest traditions I read about, and I won't keep you much longer, but I really dug this. There is a Santa Lucia Day. Has anybody ever heard of Santa Lucia Day? 
Has anybody ever seen the movie The Ref? Oh, best Christmas movie ever. Get off your dust and check it out. Really very funny. So Saint, Santa Lucia Day is something that's celebrated in uh, Sweden and Norway and Finland and Denmark and those, those very northern climates. And the idea is that on the 13th of December, for whatever reason, the 13th of December, oh, because it's 12 days before Christmas, is the darkest night of the year. And that is when the spirits rise up and the dead run around. Animals talk. I think that is so cool. I'm going to have to give a chat with my cat on the 13th. <laughs> Animals talk, and it is dangerous to be outside. And so we all huddle in our homes, and we go to bed early, and we light candles to keep away all the evil spirits. And then in the morning, your children, not you, the little people who ruin everything in your house, and you have to clean up after them, get candles and light them and stick them on their heads. <laughs> After making you breakfast in your kitchen, they awake you with a wreath of flame on their heads to let you know the sun has come back and you should get out of bed. I gotta tell you, I bet the parents get up really, really quick. If I saw my kids show up with their hair on fire, I would be out of bed fast and I would have very little concern about the mess of the kitchen. Just happy that we're all okay. Eventually, that celebration got co-opted into Christian celebration, and uh, Lucia, who was a goddess in Norse mythology, became Santa Lucia, Saint Lucia, and it was co-opted into the Christian tradition. But many things were done that way. Many gods of pagan and Celtic lore were turned into saints to participate in Catholicism and to bring the pagans into the fold. The newest holiday that I looked up was Kwanzaa, and that started in 1966. That is December 26th through January 1st this year. Kwanzaa also lights candles, and each day of Kwanzaa is a celebration of a particular aspect of what makes African-American culture diverse and strong. So some of it's agriculture, some of it's um, writing and literature, some of it's dance and music. Each day focuses on a different feature. Um, again, I'm reluctant to co-opt someone else's worship, but it is a wonderful opportunity for people who were stolen from their country and forced into slavery and ours to find a way to participate in community, warmth and gathering in that light in a way that they created themselves, just like culturally many of us from the distant past, our cultures created ways that we could come together in light community. Then we get all the way to February 5th, that's the Lunar New Year, and that is the Chinese celebration of New Year. And most of Asia celebrates that, that form of New Year celebration. And they make little paper um, things that they put on their window in red paper. Kind of like when we had uh, people coloring different designs, right? Wishes and hopes and dreams. The papers are their contribution to their New Year's resolution. And they blow up fireworks, and they light firecrackers, and they light candles, and they light lanterns, and they set lanterns up into the sky, and they do all kinds of really well-lit things. Again, in an effort to celebrate the death of one year and the renewal of the next, right? That turn into darkness and then the turn into light. So, all the, oh, I can't leave out the Zoroastrians. They have the solstice. Their solstice is on the 22nd this year. It's called Yalda. Zoroastrians light gas lamps and light paper and light candles in their homes. Again, as a return to the sun, 
as worshipers of the sun in agriculture, most of their worship in that space is done around farming and around feasting and food, and it's all about preparing the land for the return of the crop in the coming spring. Very, very small religious space now, because you can only be born into Zoroastrianism. You cannot convert, and you cannot be brought into the fold. And it was based out of what is now Iran, and because of the dynamics of Iran, it is very difficult to participate in a faith outside of, the, outside of Islam in that space. So, we've talked about this wide variety of different ways that light is festive. We sat in this room surrounded by lights. And I want to close by saying that it didn't really occur to me how dark our parking lot is <laughs> until we all got out of the service that we had on, Sunday, on Friday this week, and it's just pitch black. But inside this room, all these lights were lit, and we'd made the, the, the sconces lights in lovely color, and we'd had this warm, wonderful celebration of life in this moment in which we could share our compassion and share our memories. And that is what we come back to in this season of light festivities. For a very long time, the tradition of Christmas was not to have Santa and have frocked trees. The tradition of the old time, of the Yule and the darkness, was to sit around the campfire and tell ghost stories and remember the dead and remember the life that we still live and bring back. I'd like to close with these words. Light the flame to encourage the return of the sun, rested from its long embrace in the arms of the night. Thanks for listening. To learn more about Unitarian Universalism and to connect with us, please visit www.westwinduuc.org or find us on Facebook at Westwind Unitarian Universalist Congregation. Bye.